Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Hey everyone, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie. We are The Blended Life, and tonight... Tonight, we're going to talk about how to discipline kids that aren't yours. Um, yes, please. I want to know. What are you going to tell me? Everything you need to know. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we are talking about how to discipline kids that aren't yours. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we searched this in the SEO. You guys, if you are in podcasting or what any kind of casting, you casting. know, well, I don't know. It's SEOs. usually used for like like okay. video or like website design or yeah, blogging, whatever. Yeah. So. Eric's been teaching me how to look like do SEO stuff and what it even means and why it's important and how you can search it. And so we've been diving in, but this was a question that's asked. What was it like about so much? Like 80 million times (laughs) in the last 30 days. And I'm like, no shit. This is the really hardest part of step parenting, I think. And we're going to go into why it is, but I think the first and most important thing we have to talk about with disciplining kids that aren't your own, and I say this and I've said this and you guys are going to roll your eyes because you've heard it a thousand times, but you really only have as much power as a step parent as, a, as, as is given to you by the bio parent, your spouse, your partner, your fiance, whatever, because you discipline and you don't have the backing of the bio parent, you discipline, and you don't have the support of the bio parent in the home, it'll fall flat, and what that will do will actually, it would be better for you not to discipline at all in that situation, because if you discipline and you get counteracted by the bio parent, or the bio parent doesn't support the discipline you put in place, you are so discredited as a step parent in your stepchild's eyes that it actually ruins relationships. So it would be better for you not to discipline at all and step back and kind of just not my kid, not my problem type of a thing when it comes to discipline because the 
it's worse for yourself and for your relationship with your stepchild, like the lack of respect that's going to exist in that relationship is a big gap between what is and what should be. So I want to start off with that. And listen, if you have a problem with your spouse backing you up, like even if you're, like even if Eric disciplined my child when I wasn't around, right? Yeah, I'm here, you guys. Hi. (laughs) Sorry, but like even if you disciplined And I wouldn't have done it that way. Like, I don't really agree with that. I feel like it's, why did you need to discipline that? I don't really think it's a big deal or the punishment you gave was too harsh. Mm -hmm. If I didn't back you, regardless of what I thought, it discredits you, right? Well, well, what it does is it discredits, but it also, it it almost tarnishes (laughs) the credibility of that other parent. It makes, it, it knocks them down. At a, at a negative, not even, like, down to where, like, all right, we just are living in the same household. Now it's just, like, you're undercut, and what they say doesn't matter, and it almost, um, I mean, going to an extreme on it, it almost turns that parent into a joke, where it's like, well, it doesn't matter what they said. Like, right. mom's going to say different, or dad's going to say different. Yeah, I don't so. have to take this step parent seriously. I don't have to listen to them. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter anyways. And so not only you see that how it erodes the relationship between stepchild and step parent mm-hmm. if you don't have the support of the bio parent right it also drives a wedge between your relationship like your marriage because it doesn't feel really good to not be supported in your home by your spouse well you're not a you're not a team at that point it's really it's one-sided and um, what that one parent says goes and the kids are not going to see that and latch on to that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a standard, you know? Yeah. So a hundred percent. And I think that this is the comp, like, um, I wish we would have had, I don't feel like we deal with this a lot, but I feel like this would be a good conversation that people before they walk down the aisle and get married and move in together before you even move in together as a blended family, this is a really important conversation to have discipline. What does discipline look like? Am I going to back you? Is the expectation that even if you don't agree, you're going to back me? Because we've got to have a united front with these kids. Right. Knowing that you would do things differently than I would because you're male and I'm female. You said this on a podcast. Like, of course, we have different parenting styles. Not only are we bio and step, but we're male, female. Right. And that's, uh, you know, but that's an important dynamic to have in a household. I mean, you need your male role and your female role. Um, you know, whether you have sons or daughters, you know, one or the other or both, you know, you it's very important that you have both of those roles because kids are going to get different um, bits of life out of both of those roles, you know? Yeah. So it's important to have that discussion to talk about expectations around disciplining because maybe you marry someone who doesn't have any interest and doesn't want to discipline mm-hmm. your children. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's like their boundary. Like, I will love them. I will support them. I will provide for them. I will care for them. I will s- show up to everything. But discipline, not really. I don't I don't want a part of that. And you're going to have to look at this person, either compromise and be like, okay, when I'm here, I'll discipline. When I'm not here, you have to. 
and that be a compromise or you accept that that's their boundary and be like, okay, I will, yeah, or you, know. you take a hard look at this and be like, look, you know, like if you're, I, I have kids at this point, if you're not in it a hundred percent, you might be, be a breaking, it, it might be a deal might breaker, be a deal breaker because yep. now what role do you play in this household? What, what role are you, you know, if, if someone is not willing to at least step up somewhat, you know, I'm not saying that they have to take on the role 110% of being stepmom or stepdad, but if you're not at least willing to step up, get a little out of your comfort zone and help raise these children, because if they're living in your house, that's ultimately what you're doing. You're raising these children. Um, you know, it's all, it's all, again, it almost works negatively in these kids favor. It almost works against these kids, yeah. you know, because now they're in this weird limbo area with this other adult, you know, with, with this adult living in the house with mom or dad. And it, 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 in my mind, it's going to create some weird things going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the hope for everyone that we all enter into this family with like, we're all in a hundred percent. I think that it gets challenged though for various reasons, right? Like, the ex or different parenting styles because we have fundamental beliefs and, you know, values for raising kids mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm not backed when I try to discipline. See, this is the thing that it, back to where we started with this is I think everyone comes on board with the full intention to show up in all the ways. And if you don't, that's a conversation to have. Right. But I think what happens is, is even as well intentioned as you are, you get into it, and you learn over the years that I'm just not getting the support I'm going to need to do this. And so the intentions erode away because what's actually happening, like, you're, you know, you're only as good as your words have action. Right. So even if you say, yeah, I expect my spouse to be in it 100%. But if you're not backing your spouse 100%, then it's, it's then you just, can't be mad at that. Yeah, like, it's, it's just weird. kind of, but see how it all kind of erodes into something really, really weird? Yeah, for sure. So you brought up something really cool when we were talking about discipline. What was that? Um, you said there were two <laughs> types of discipline. So can oh, yeah. you explain that to everyone, please? Well, it's a, it was just a quick thought. It was literally off the top of my head. Um but I feel like there's two, I feel like, I mean, there's probably others, you know, but just when I think about it. Eric's two types of discipline <laughs> is really I, good. I, I feel like there's the immediate discipline. Kids doing something, kids yelling, kids hitting their brother or sister, you know, they're this happens throwing like stuff. 392 times in our house well, a day. He, well, here's what it, yeah, well, here's, <laughs> here's what it is. There's immediate discipline. That's like the type of stuff that happens at school in a classroom, you know, and that happens at home at like, the dinner table. As soon as a child does something, you there's immediate discipline. Immediately, and you stop the stop behavior. It. You know, you mm -hmm. you you tell them to cut it off. I mean, it, and this isn't just with children. This is with spouses. friends, spouses, pets. <laughs> you know what you I mean? You immediately there's, cut it off. You immediately, yeah. You immediately <laughs> tell Learn them to stop it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So there's immediate discipline, and I think everyone's probably pretty good at this. Or feels this the most? It's the one that it's reactionary. It's the knee jerk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's easiest it's for sure because sure. it's in the moment and you're all worked up. Anyway. You have the feelings you about see it. Red. Yeah, you feel, you're have like, the feelings about it, and you yeah. instinctually act upon. 
their behavior. Right. You know? So you think that step parents are more comfortable immediately disciplining kids? Um, or I don't know if it's that they're more comfortable. I think that it's just something that all of us have in us. Right. Everyone has it in them. You know, it doesn't matter male, female, anything. Like you have a knee jerk reaction when something's going on. It It's a, <laughs> the uh oh feeling happens, you know, you're like, I'm angry about this. You need to stop, you know, or you see something that's not right. You need to stop. Everyone has experienced this, you know, but then you go on to the second type of discipline and that's long-term discipline. And that's correcting a behavior to over a long period of time, create you know, basically an end goal. Like, why are we creating this? Why are we correcting this behavior? So could you give an example of, I think we all get immediate discipline. I'm fully on board, but long-term discipline, what might that look like as an example with my daughter? Long-term discipline is a little more methodical. It's why are we disciplining in a way, we're, we're disciplining in a way to get an end result, which is, um, and, and maybe not your daughter, but my son, for instance, um, sits down at the dinner table, has a hat on. I tell him to take it off. That's a, that's, you know, a instant. Every dinner. Every dinner. Every dinner. <laughs> <laughs> not, not anymore. He's getting better at it. You know, same thing at church. You know, we walk into church, you take your hat off. You know, we went to youth group the other day. He took his hat off. It wasn't a fight. It used to be a fight. You know, why? I don't understand. You know, well, everyone else does it, blah, 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 blah. And you're teaching them. Well, it's 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 a place of respect, you know. It's it's just something that we do, and um, and this is a very surface, you know, type of. It's discipline. a sign of respect, right? It's In a, a sacred place, yeah. you just so, don't. So whatever that, we're yeah. disciplining for, it's for a long term. When they're older, or in a year from now, or ten years from now, whatever it may be. The this discipline has stuck, but it also has meaning to it. It's not just because, oh, dad once said so. Dad said to take his hat off. He doesn't like the hat I was wearing. It's because it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of, you know, showing up differently Mm -hmm. and respecting. And that's something that carries on through life. So I feel like when you get to this type of discipline, there needs to be more conversation involved. There needs to be explanation of why we're correcting the behavior this way. You know, if we could talk to our dogs and we tell them not to pee in the house, not to go to the bathroom in the house, if you're going to tell your dog why and your dog looks at you like, well, this is the most convenient spot, right? Well, because it ruins our floor, it makes our house stink, you know, it creates a much bigger mess, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like if you could, if you could. Somebody has to clean it up, it ain't going to be you. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> so if you could explain to your dog why not to go to the bathroom in the house, mm-hmm. it's a long-term effect. And, you know, and uh, y- you see where I'm going with it? You know, yeah. if we explain this to them, kids understand. And and kids aren't stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people, you know, might stop and be like, man, I know some stupid kids. But here's the thing. We were all once kids. Yeah. You know, we are all kids that have been conditioned and are products of our environments. And if someone took the time to explain discipline to us and why we weren't able to do something, mm-hmm. I think people would go along with rules or at least get on the page a little bit easier with yeah. everyone else. But when someone tells you that you can't do something and it's because I said so, mm-hmm. well, a lot of us have also a reaction that's like, well, you said not to and you don't have a good reason. I'm going to go do it again, you know? 
So when there is a good correctional behavior, you know, explanation, if you will, then I think it goes a lot further with with kids. You know, yeah. they understand why they're doing something no, know, that's, or not doing something. That's so right, actually. And we were at um, your son's football game last night and I was talking with my friend about actually this very thing it's coming to mind as you're explaining this oh is that what you were talking about during the football game I had to tune <laughs> you guys out eventually I was like There's yeah nothing she, well, but talking. she was I really wanting to talk like I could tell like oh, she just had tell. a lot to vent about yeah which is good like I feel like we need that we need safe places to be able to like decompress and process what we've been going through um and we can't do that with our kids next time you go sit on the other side of the field i will with the with the away team and you guys talk all you want done yeah so um but she was saying that like she um had to bring down a pretty harsh consequence for a bad behavior for one of her kids okay um and the kid was very upset and actually her her child gave her the silent treatment for days, like refused to talk, refused to look at her. Really? And she was like, no, no, no. We have to talk about this. Yeah. You have to understand why this consequence is this consequence and Good, why yeah. your behavior deserves punishment, mm-hmm. like why discipline is necessary. And she was talking to me that she had, she gave the metaphor of like, um, if you have a little baby who's learning to walk, right. you know, you let them walk, but you're always like arms stretched out. Yeah, like the when first, they're first, the like, first few times they're, like, they're trying it out. Yeah. You're just kind of like there. And right. so if they fall, they're not going to get a concussion or break something like, you know, you kind of like soften their fall or, yeah. you know, um, yeah, th- you're there to let them see what happens, but you don't let them face 100% of the consequences of falling uh, down the front, stairs like or smashing time. their head. Yeah. yeah, of course. So she was explaining to her child, like, that's kind of what parenting is. Like, I have to put this boundary around you right now so that you don't get a concussion and ruin your life. Like, if right. you don't learn, this is me parenting you in a way that is your home, you're safe. I'm going to let you do things, but we're going to have consequences so that in, you know, she was giving that metaphor of like learning to walk and it resonated with him and a light bulb went off and he started talking to her again Good. and he understood. Okay. But yeah, to your point, it is super helpful to be, to go past the, because I said so, and I get it like immediate discipline. Yeah. We're so angry yeah. that that's all we can come up with. And you don't want to talk about it. I'm like, I d- who are you? You're the kid. I don't want you to answer to right. you. You do what I say. Like I get right. like that. I've had, I've had that happen a bunch and I actually within, usually within an hour of us being angry at, it's always me and my son <laughs> within us being within an hour of us being angry at each other and him being in trouble, me being mad, but him you know, at least being in like timeout or something, walking away, I calm down. I feel like maybe he's calmed down, but at that point is usually when I will come back. My next conversation with him, my next interaction with him is yeah. me calmly explaining why he's in trouble and for what and why the consequences and why not to, you know, why not, why not to do what you just did and this is the reason for it. And I and I always have a good reason and explanation for it. Yeah, and I've heard you talk to him a lot. You do that all the time. You've done this since I've known you. And, you know, it changes as I met him at five. Mm-hmm. 
He's now going to be 15 mm-hmm. soon. Literally this two month. Weeks. Yeah. So, but my point is you've been consistent in that since day one, mm-hmm. you know, might change. Like you talk to a five-year-old a little bit differently. Oh, than definitely. A 15-year-old. Yeah, I use a lot bigger words now. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think you're able to do now that you weren't able to do at five is now you're able to talk to him in a way to impress upon him how this is going. If you continue down this path, your life beyond, you know, mom and dad's home are going to look this way. Yeah. And I think that's cool. As kids get older, you're able to start speaking into their future. A five-year-old's not going to give two shits. Like, they're not going to understand that. Well, right. But, however, you start talking to them when they're that young. And I actually started talking to him like that when he was younger than five. You just started seeing it at five. Yeah, I only came into Um, the picture there. But Mm -hmm. what that's done is that set up the rest of this to be able to have those types of discussions because he's now seeing a pattern of dad looking out for him and dad being right on a lot of this stuff now. And being able to trust dad that he will have the conversations and the hard talks and he's my mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And which, which brings us closer also makes me a safe space, but also that he can trust what I'm, what I'm telling him. He, that he can trust, you know, the, the insight and um, the advice that I'm getting him, giving him. It's not just because I am mad at him, you know, but, but you know, damn dad's actually, Right, and he actually is looking out for me and my welfare and my well-being, and he does know what I'm He's talking paying about. paying attention. Yeah. That, yeah, that's it. So um, if you can start talking with your kids like that now and instilling that in them now, and, and now is not too late. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start doing it now. Start doing it on the, the next time. Um, it's just it's going to be a lot easier. It's going gonna, it's gonna to also create a bond with you of trust with your kids that not many people are going to have. You know, including their own friends, including the level of influence that when they get to high school, when they get to be 15, 16, 17, you know, and they're going through high school, there's going to be a lot of outside influence. The cool kids in school, you know, the, you, you know, YouTubes, the, the stuff people are watching and seeing, you know, there's a lot of outside influence. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a good bond and a good trust with your kid that when you discipline, and it doesn't always have to be a harsh discipline, too. I'm talking, it can be just a, a quick little, like, hey, maybe don't be talking about that or, or doing this. You know, it could be just a very quick thing, and your kid will stop and think about it. Like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, because yeah. you're conditioning them by speaking into their lives and explaining to them the greater purpose here. You know, you are conditioning them and planting seeds to think beyond the moment of their action or behavior right. and how that affects others, how it might affect them later in life, why it's not good. Like you're training them by talking to them in that way to always, like I've told you, my mom has taught me to look at all sides of the issue. She didn't teach me that by saying every time, Julie, you need to look at all sides of the issue. Julie, look at all sides of the issue. That's not how I learned it. Right. I learned to look at all sides of the issue because we talked about all sides of the issue all the time, all my life. Yeah. So now, because my mom did that and she modeled it and that was how our discussions went and, you know, we we looked at both sides of the coin, you know, all the time, that that's how my mind works now. Like, I'm able to have empathy for people who don't believe like me. Right. I'm able to extend grace and, you know, look p- beyond people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm able to be okay with... Yeah being with people who aren't like me because 
they have their own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and also, you know, she didn't just tell you. She That's what ac- I'm saying. You guys she didn't actually just tell me. To yeah, like you guys look at this. actually took the time yep. and looked at it from from all sides. And that's not just when you're being wronged or when you think someone else is wrong, you know. It's also when you're right and someone else thinks you're wrong, you know. It's it's being able to look at it and be like, am I on the right side of this? Am I actually doing mm-hmm. the right thing? And I think that comes with, uh, I mean, that's a, a good life lesson for all of us. It is. You know? And being able to understand that the person who wronged me has their own reasons right. for doing so, like, yep. or own limitations. Yeah. Or... You know, maybe it really had nothing to do with me and stuff that's going on with them. Like, she just always taught me to deconstruct things and not be so, you know, egocentric about me. It's about me and me and me. And it's it's so much more than that. Which is a weird thing, too. You know, I mean, I guess it's a stereotypical thing, but a lot of times only children aren't raised like that. It It is about... You and you and you I mean, quite often, you know? <laughs> the hardest part, like, uh, yeah, I don't have that mindset. You would could, I don't, I, I love people mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is my heart. Right. I can love you where you're at, even if you're not where I am. Yeah. And I can stand up my be- for my beliefs and, and I don't have to join you in the trenches, but I can help you out or yeah. I can, I don't shun you. You know what I'm trying to say? Right, yeah. But I think the hardest part about being an only child <laughs> I hate sharing still. <laughs> no kidding. I'm 40 years old and somebody wants me to share and it's like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, why? Because yeah. I just, I didn't, I wasn't raised. The other thing about being an <laughs> So only you weren't raised perfectly, but no. here's also, I but mean, that's a testament to it. I mean, it's yeah. like we try and try and try and there's always, there's always sharing. a lesson. So yeah. Yeah. The other thing that was really hard about being raised as an only child other than sharing, um, Oh, now I just went out of my head. I'll think of it later. Oh, great. I know. It was a really good one. Sharing was always really hard. And then there was another one. See about, that, you guys? She, oh, does, she doesn't even want to share no, that with us. I do know. <laughs> no, she does. Because this happened in marriage. I didn't really realize it until I got married the first time. Mm-hmm. Sharing was a thing you got to do in marriage. Yeah. Which is a good, like, so this is why it's good to have blended families and, and kids and they have to learn to share and all this stuff because... You have to in a marriage, and you have to when you have kids. When I had kids, that was another thing, because kids just think everything is... Kids are little sponges that literally absorb everything. Well, they're like, if it belongs to mom, it also belongs to me. Oh, welcome to my world. Well, Annabelle is now in my closet Yeah, Yeah. every other day, and I'm like... Dude, but yeah. you know, it's it's like kids are just like if it's yours, it's mine. They know no boundaries, right? That was hard because and I it, well, and I noticed hard. that with your dinner too. Usually, yours becomes hers. <laughs> she eats right off it. your plate. But the thing is, it's like um, that was really hard when I had kids. That yeah. wasn't natural. Like a lot of parents are like, "Oh, Lily, you can have everything you want," and I'm sitting <laughs> here like, "Back fa- off!" Oh, I didn't, I didn't even say have to beat it. you completely. I know. I beat I'll myself. I'll give you a little baby quiet one. So anyway, but the other thing that was hard about being an only child that really messed me up, and I really wanted to say the F word, effed yeah. me up. Yeah. In marriage, that's and it's still really hard, is that um, I didn't have conflict with kids. So I didn't ever have to, like, I, I didn't learn how to be in conflict and that's not it. Like, I didn't learn about conflict at all. But more importantly, I didn't learn about conflict resolution. 
Okay, yeah. So, like, when what I've noticed with you and your siblings or our kids is, like, they can fight, but they can't leave. They still right. have to live together, so they got to work it out and figure out how they can still live under the same roof and not kill each other. Like, kids don't have the option of divorce or breaking yeah. up, right? Yeah. So I think when you're siblings and you have conflict, you also learn how to make up or how to tolerate or how to resolve conflict in a way that you still are together as a family. Yeah. I never learned that. And no. my parents also... All, all parents never modeled for me conflict, healthy conflict, or conflict resolution. So conflict has been, and in marriage, right? <laughs> marriage, you have conflict. You have arguments. You have to resolve things to move forward. It's been, a t it's tough. I, it doesn't, I don't have any basis for that. Right. Well, and your kids actually have it completely opposite of what you did. Your kids are, um, even though they're in a blended family, they're in a, they're in a blended family, but they are also nuclear brother and sister. They never get a break from one another when they go to the other house. They don't. But most have, kids don't. Like you never had saying. a break it, no, from but, your but, siblings. But the other dynamic that most people don't think about is now you're also getting passed between two households, and you also have other part-time siblings. You know, which you don't think about. It's like those two are always together. I mean, whether they're at school or something, but they're always eating the same meals, you know, at the same dinner. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They, they're sharing the same bathroom in the morning mm -hmm. and going to bed at the same time, wh whatever household they're in. Um, however, those households are changing and the siblings at the household are changing. So they still... They're each though, other's only constant. Even though they're still together mm -hmm. all the time, there's a lot of outside variables changing that also could create um, its own confusion, if you will, within them, but them being able to have their own space and their own time and time apart from one another is probably a pretty important thing because th they're learning. They are learning life skills here. They are learning how to be with someone full time, even though you're not with them full time, like you and I are together full time marriage but we're not always together full time. Well, it's kind of the same thing with them as siblings. There's other moving parts, but at the end of the day, they are around each other full time. So being able to uh, work out any type of argument or disagreement or whatever. I mean, really the way that they get parented in the two households is probably um, most real world learning situations for the two of them versus any of the other kids. So. Interesting. I never looked at it like that. I just did right now. That was another <laughs> one right off the top of You're my head. You're just so brilliant I today. <laughs> I, yeah, that's really good. Um, so discipline with kids, how do you do it? Let's talk about the how, right? The, the, the big question is how do you discipline now, kids that cow. aren't yours? Well, if you have the support of your spouse and you're given the green light and have full empowerment there, what do you do? I think we worry about how too much. I think we start listening to our gut. You know, you're a good person. You either have kids of your own, but you know right from wrong. And so you would try to do it ideally like you would your own kids. Right. Right? So yeah. the how is like, let's not give special treatment to stepchildren and bio children. What if we disciplined all kids the same? 
like you would your own. Now, if you don't have kids of your own, you could still frame it up like if they were my own, why am I not disciplining them like I would uh, yeah, if my, they were, you my know? Own biological kids, right? So I think it's not how. It's just giving yourself permission to feel into having that authority. But it, like I said in the very, very beginning, you have to be granted it. You're only as effective as your partner has your back. <laughs> right? True, 100%. <clears throat> so I wouldn't worry about the how too much. I would just have the mindset, one, they're my own. I'm going to discipline like they're my own. I'm going to show up for them in that way. Also, if you find yourself in, um, like Eric and I often do, we have different parenting styles. So a really, like I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think if you want to discipline but you have different parenting styles, what Eric said earlier about long-term discipline, I think that's a really great way to come to a compromise in your home between adults in the home. So if you could... The behavior, let's not focus on the behavior or what's being done with this child that we're trying to discipline. What if we switched focus and really had the long game in mind? Like, what kind of child do we want to send out into the world? What kind of human are we trying to raise? And then the discipline will happen naturally. So if you and your spouse are in conflict about how to discipline kids, I would refocus to the long-term goals of these kids that you have for these kids. And you start talking about that, you might find an easier time compromising on discipline. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. What are for your sure. thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think it's always important to have the long, you know, the long game in, in mind, you know, when you're when you're disciplining and like, um, what am I disciplining you, for? Yeah, what's the what's the goal of this discipline? Yeah, like what? Yeah, is there a, is there an actual thing in mind, and and why is it? Um, and I, a lot of it comes down to, you know, what you and your spouse agree on too. You know, and like you said, you don't have to agree on everything, but it's good to talk about it because what I might not val what I might value or not value, you might value or not value opposite of me you know and I have learned a lot over the years of what you value um that I may not have ever thought of to begin with you know and or wasn't that important yeah you know like right I mean okay it's not a bad thing but I'm not like on fire sold out over it you know yeah so mm -hmm. listening to your spouse and letting them talk about their values and um you know maybe for their kids we can grow from that we can learn a lot from that and we might not be on board right at, right at the beginning about that, but over time, if you don't just shut down the conversation, you let people have difference of opinion, Right. a lot of times things will change and you'll see, you know, you might not have agreed with that in the first place and mm -hmm. you still might, might not at the very end, but you might be able to at least understand it. And the more that we understand and the more that we can see, you know, the coin from both sides, you know, the... I feel the better well-rounded we become and, you know, just understanding people is it's a lot better. So. Yeah. And, you know, also listening to your spouse talk might annoy you. I mean, <laughs> just and we know it annoys you. No, no, no. But I think that it also can soften your heart towards something that you didn't even know your heart needed softening towards. Or yeah, it might yeah. enlighten you in a way you didn't know you need to be enlightened. 
Or it may just help you understand your spouse and be like, okay, I might not agree with this, but couldn't hurt. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it couldn't hurt, like, this boundary or this. So let's talk about boundaries. Because I think that this is a very underrated way to discipline. I think we oftentimes discipline with punishment and consequence, which is really important, right? right? That's an important life lesson. But what's to keep them from doing it again? Well, the important life lesson is that there's consequences to everything in life. Good decisions have good consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be, you're going to be abusive to someone, there's bad consequences to that, right? And that's an important lesson that kids have to learn because you're not born knowing that. You don't, you're not born knowing about consequences. Right. That's not. That's something that we learn, learn as we as we go. As you go. So and, it, and and you know what's weird about that? And the older I get, the more I see like every culture, every religion is very different. You know, there's a lot of differences out there. So what I think right now, what I believe right now, what I believe is right and wrong. There's a lot of people out there who I mean, don't who, agree with you. Who don't agree with it with right. with any of it. You know, and right. it, and it feels so natural to me because that's the way that I was brought up and I was raised. Um, but being able to see it from both sides and right. and maybe not understanding it from both sides, but being understanding about it from both sides yeah. really makes a, a, a big difference in my day-to-day, -day, the way I carry myself. Right. And, you know, I always, um, I'm trying to reframe, and I was going to post this on our social media, but, like, being a part of a blended family is truly an opportunity for you to become a better person because it will grow and challenge and shape you in ways that you <laughs> you, you that couldn't you, do any other way. Never, uh, ways that you never hoped for. <laughs> right. And really. so, you know, and being able to, to have different parenting styles, what if we reframed that from being a bad thing in a marriage and in a home? It's really hard. I'm not saying it, it, we experience that. It's hard when you have different parenting styles. But what if we reframed it as like, this is an opportunity to make our children more well-rounded. Right, right. Because now they get an opportunity to experience a lot of different sides of things. And why don't we start seeing that as a positive instead of trying to make everyone fit into our own little box? <laughs> fit into my box. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um. But boundaries, really quick. Boundaries are a really important part of discipline that are very underrated and underutilized, right? We we punish, we punish, well, we give consequences. Yeah. But I think setting boundaries is a great gift to give kids because it teaches them how to set boundaries for themselves later in life, at their job, in relationships, with friendships so they don't get walked on or used, you know? Um and so boundaries is a great way in step parents. If you're not ready to dole out consequences and you don't feel really comfortable with, um, you know, immediate discipline or even long-term discipline and boundaries start there. Well, and, and to take it one step further, one that you'll appreciate, mm. maybe even more than boundaries, but one I've learned a lot from you from is structure. <laughs> Why you laugh at that? <laughs> because you always get, you, it used to be such a point of contention. I know, but I, look at, this is exactly, see, at least I'm, I'm, I'm. So I'm just like, what I, <laughs> I'm like, I want to give up. Like you don't like it's that. A hard, that. No, it's, it's a, it's such a hard thing, but it is such a, it's such a true thing. Like you've always spoke that kids need structure. 
And it just it's makes always, them feel safe in an out-of-control world. It yeah. does, and I know you want to laugh at me for it now. I but don't. I'm like, I just. It's a very, it's a, it's, but it's exactly what I was talking about a little while ago, that it might not be exactly how I wanted to raise my kid or how I knew to raise my kid, but as we've gone on, like, I've learned this from you, that structure is an important thing. I mean, my my son was homeschooled the last two years without a lot of structure involved in that. Um, I wasn't excited about him homeschooling to begin with, but it was one of those things that I was like, well, kind of not my thing, not my problem. It wasn't going to be something I was going to be a big part of because I wasn't going to be his teacher. And boy, did that not go the way that I expected it to, you know? And boy, did that not go the way his mom expected it to. And now we're both on the same page. Like, this kid needs some structure, it has not gone the way it has. And now, even leading up to two days before or the day before he started going back to school, it was an absolute nightmare, you know? I mean, the the, the couple of days leading up to school, you know, him going back was an absolute nightmare. But now that he has been back and he has this structure and he has – um you know, it's not a hard bedtime, but he has within about a 45-minute range that he's going to bed every single night, and he has a time that he needs to be at school and a time that he has each class. And, I mean, he's a he's a freshman in high school, so that's just a hard time for, for kids in general. Um, you know, you're doing new things, but he's got a bit more of a structure. You know, he has uh, a certain time he gets out, a certain time he goes well, to and practice. football provides a whole range of structure that exactly. you can't, and coaches don't give two flying SHITs wow, about parents. No, like they're going to discipline and, and do but what that's they. That's exactly why I'm like when he's like, I want to do, I want to play. Could you imagine having a practice, like a, a being a football coach and having uh, running football practice with zero structure and just letting the kids do whatever they wanted for an hour, like. They're there. They know they're supposed to play football for an hour, no, it's but a waste we have of time. zero structure. It's a waste of time. Kids and would learn nothing. Well, and that's that was the big thing that I found. I think where structure really started to become a thing is when I was coaching hockey because that's the type of hockey program I went into. I never played in that hockey program, but then going into it, I'm like, that's the only thing around here for our kids now. It's a free-for-all. And it was, and it was like we got there. But look at this. The second I implemented structure into literally the very first season that I started coaching there, mm-hmm. look at what the kids were doing. Look yeah, at look at growth. They and look at the excel of them. And that That's had right. nothing that truly had nothing to do with me. I wasn't teaching them anything. They were little kids. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But the structure yeah. allowed them to see and learn yeah. and grow a lot faster than uh, yeah. if they not. Yeah, because they can make sense of things. Yeah. You know, um, it would be like trying to live, um, and they do this in lofts, but I try say, to live say you had your blended family and you guys just had a 3,000 square foot room. Now, a 3,000 square foot house would be a big house for most people, but you didn't have rooms, nothing, y- you just had a room and you all had to exist in this giant room. That would be like what we try to do sometimes with blended families without structure. It's like, no, like every kid needs, like you need living room, kitchen, bathroom, bedrooms. Like you need you to have, have a, places to go. If you can have go. a yard or a park like or Like it a all matters, or, but that's yeah. structure. And I would, I always would try to think about, um, a lot of people have pushback against structure and I, but I'm like, let's look at marriage with no structure. <laughs> Could you imagine having a marriage with 
no structure. No, that's it. But that's why. But a that's lot how of we do. Li- that's how we want to do life. We don't like rules. We don't like boundaries. We don't like responsibility. We don't like answering to people. But it's like if you try to do a marriage without any sort of rules, like infidelity is wrong. And I really don't want you flirting with other people and giving out your number. I really don't want you taking your wedding ring off when you go into a bar. I really don't want you to come home whenever you feel like it and never communicate with me about where you are. In our marriage, we all have our own set of like rules and structures in place to protect our marriage, to protect the relationship, to protect our hearts so we're not worried all the time or insecure or we can just relax. Structure allows us to relax into relationships. And so, yeah, structure and boundaries, a great way to start disciplining your stepchildren without having to dole out punishment and consequences if that's not your comfort zone. But that is a way you can step up. Um, I think something that we all need to get over as bio parents or step parents when it comes to discipline is this idea of we have to be liked by our kids. (laughs) This is a hard one because I think that when you're... You have really taken this role on. <laughs> I think that... <laughs> I have. <laughs> I think that... Well, because here's a, there's a lot of guilt that surrounds parents of divorce. We feel bad our kids are in two homes. Maybe if we were the one that ended the marriage, we feel guilty. Or if it, we were wronged, we feel like we have to make up for our spouse, our ex-spouses. Or our faults. kids are, or our kids are going to choose the other parent over me, and they're never going to talk to me ever again. And they're going to want to just yeah. live with the so other. So we're parent. letting our insecurities and feelings rule, and our kids aren't getting disciplined. And then we're creating little hellions that are running the world. You know, so I think we have to get over this idea of being liked. I would much rather be respected than liked. And those are two totally, totally different things. Right. And with respect, I will also say the number one thing in your home that you should be disciplining is respect. If you see disrespect in your home, whether it is children putting shoes on furniture and that's a thing or... um, Hats at the dinner table. Hats at the dinner table. Calling their Dirty brother. hands on white walls going up the <laughs> stairs because right, they have now skates we're just, on. Now we're just getting, a- yes, because my kid's the only one that does that. <laughs> but um, no, not emptying the bathroom trash. Yeah, because then the dogs eat the jelly-filled donuts. Those but like, donuts. but re- disrespect, you know, eye-rolling, ignoring the other parent, right? Yeah. There's all, all kinds of things. I think the number one thing, if you're like, well, where do I start with discipline? I think the number one thing that has to be disciplined in the home, regardless if you're blended family or not, is respect. Yeah. If you can get that, respecting people's time, respecting people's money, respecting people's beliefs and opinions, and respecting people's property, and respecting authority. I think that's where discipline needs to reign. What do you think about that? I think... Speaking of respecting people's time, tell them about the time that you're going to spend with them this weekend. I will. Well, one thing that I, yeah. I'll just go to your camera. Good. There we go. So I've been doing a read along this week. We're going to read. Well, this week we will have read chapters seven and eight in grace filled step parenting by Lori short. 
The link is in our bio to purchase it from Amazon. I think it's like $9 right now. Um, so reasonably priced and um, you can always get it no matter when. These videos that I'm doing on Sundays at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Instagram, I'm going live there. Um, they're going to stay on our um, Instagram page so you can get this book whenever and then go back and watch these little videos. But this week we're, we're um, covering chapters 7 and 8. And the last point I have to make, and then you can close out, is discipline is really important as a step-parent in your home because it kind of establishes your authority. And if you're feeling, I hear this a lot from step-parents, that they feel out of control, they feel like they have no power. And granted, if they're not afforded it by their spouse, that might be the case. But sometimes it's just a matter of getting out of your comfort zone, jumping in when you don't want to. But it also really establishes you as a leader, as um, an authority figure in your home. And I think that goes a long way for what us as step parents really want for ourselves and our blended family. Yeah, for sure. It just, it, it sets up everything to flow well and naturally for years to come, you know, and it's really, it's just going to make the road, it's going to pave the road and make it a lot smoother for years to come. And that's, that's a very important thing I feel. So, um, one thing I just wanted to, I'm always so grateful for all of our listeners and viewers, but, uh, Call to action. I feel like we never have Ooh, call to action. You're I, like a coach now. Today, yeah, I just, this I feel, no, I, I, I we have so it. many listeners and I'm looking at our reviews and I go, man, we have a lot of listeners and not very many reviews, you know, which, <laughs> I, which, which is great. But I'm like, even if you guys don't write a review, if you don't mind, just like a lot of people listen to us on iTunes. If you could just go on iTunes, leave that five-star review, because I'm pretty sure that's all so that So all they exists. have to do is click five? All they have to do is click on those stars, yeah. And uh, the more stars we get, just the better it helps us. It doesn't, like, actually help you and I. It helps the podcast find more people and grow and help more people. And not every podcast that we do is going to be for every person, but we have found so many people that have gotten so much goodness out of things that we didn't even know that we were like completely onto something you know it's like they found so much value in something that we have said or done or uh that our viewers have written in about and you know it's a community blended blended life is a community it's not just you and i it goes so much bigger than us so um if you guys don't mind leaving those reviews that is awesome that would just help us it would help others that don't even know about us yet so it's a big thing and then smashing that thumbs up button giving us a like on youtube if you watch us on there and uh and we also have our our patreon and our buy me a coffee if you guys are interested in helping us and supporting julie and i and this podcast in any other way we have links to that below so that's always greatly appreciated so yeah thanks you guys all right you guys we are the blended life <laughs> we'll see you next time bye bye Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one -on -one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. 
becominghearnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.